Ba-ba-boom, oh yeah, boom. Ba-ba-boom, say what? Boom. Ba-ba-boom, cool, cool, yeah. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Larry's Pop Pod. I'm Chris Larry. I'm Amelia Larry. And we're so excited. We're back with an action-packed, full-length pop pod for you today. We're going to be talking about our newest musical obsession, the new Casey Musgraves album here in just a few minutes. What else are we talking about? We're going to be talking about the Avengers and Solo. As well as reviewing Justify's Triple Crown Run with Team Plumley. A couple of announcements. One, again, you can find us now on Spotify. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, on Google Play, on Stitcher. You can find us everywhere. We'd love for you to help us spread the word about this show. You can join our Facebook page, our Instagram account. All that stuff is in our show notes, so you can figure out what and how to do that. Any other announcements, Amelia, before we jump into our first topic? I think you've got it all. We will be right back after this message from Brooklyn Bandana. Brooklyn Bandanas, Brooklyn Bandanas, get out and get one today. Brooklyn Bandanas, Brooklyn Bandanas, no time to waste a rate. You can wipe your tears if you're feeling blue. Avoid a redneck and attract one too. You can hail a cab, wave it in the air. Put it in your back pocket, shake it ear to ear. You can wrap it, wear it, dab it, tie it, hold it, knot it, wave it, buy it. All right, we're back. As promised, we're going to talk about this new Casey Musgraves album. The album is out now. You can find it on Spotify. You can find it at your record store. You can find it on Amazon.com. It is called Golden Hour. Let me tell you a quick story about how we got into this record, which has been a pretty recent uh, obsession, wouldn't you say, Amelia? Yeah. We were watching Saturday Night Live on the DVR. Amelia was not up that late. It was the episode, I believe, that Amy Schumer was the host. And we saw Casey Musgraves' performance, actually both her performances, and we were kind of blown away. What, what, what was going through your mind the first time you saw that performance on Saturday Night Live of High Horse? She had a very good voice, and I think her songs were very groovy, and you can easily like just dance whatever you want to with the songs. And I think her other song was kind of like a ballad, but you could still get the beat, and it was still like, oh, I like this. And it wasn't just like, skip, skip. That's right, because sometimes when we DVR through Saturday Night Live, a lot of the, some of the skits, but then some of the musical performances, we just next all the time. So we were both kind of like, wow, that was really cool performance. And so I, probably the next day or, or sometime soon, I loaded up the album on Spotify, and we have just, we've kind of got into the the whole album. The two songs that she did on Saturday Night Live were High Horse and what was the other one? Slow Burn. Slow Burn, which is the lead track on the new record. We will put links to the Saturday Night Live performances in the show notes. The song High Horse, we really dug. We would get into that, but I've ended up getting into the entire record. What what have been some of your big takeaways when you listen to the whole record? She kind of has this acoustic tone in her voice, but then she brings it to pop which I think sounds really cool, and it just it isn't, like, bad singing. Her voice is actually very good, and her songs are very creative. I like the, her lines. She actually wrote or helped co-write every song on the album. What do you think about that, Amelia? 
I mean, I think she's like an all-around perfectionist on this album because she writes or co-writes these songs and she sings and performs them very well. I was describing it the other day and I said, this album sounds like a combination of kind of 70s acoustic rock, 70s what they called countrypolitan sound, which is kind of the pop Nashville sound of country music in the 70s, 70s disco with a little bit of like modern day pop diva. Do you think that's a good description? Yeah, because her, um, as I said, her voice kind of seems acoustic, but then she brings in the new kind of pop. Like one, it has kind of a robot voice in the beginning, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, uh, I, I was reading somewhere that Casey herself said her influences for this album were Neil Young, Shaw Day, and the Bee Gees, which is kind of a, a mix of stuff. Uh, it's sort of what I just described as well. So it's kind of interesting to hear her hear her talk about that. What were the major themes of this album when you listen to the lyrics? I think it was a lot of personal, not like Pink's album um, or any politics in it. I think she kind of just thought of her experience and wrote about them and turned it into a song. Apparently she got married recently, and a lot of the songs are very much love songs. There's a lot of of songs about love and about kind of the being in that new relationship space and missing somebody. So it was kind of interesting to, to hear that come through in the lyrics. We're going to play a couple of samples from some of our good, uh, some of our favorite tracks, although we really do like the whole album. There's a couple of maybe too many ballads for me in the middle can get a little bit, but I generally like list, listening to the album start to finish. Amelia, why don't you introduce the first track? The first track will be High Horse. As we said, SNL had her perform this song and Slow Burn. And we will now show you High Horse. Oh, I bet you think you're John Wayne. Showing up and shooting down everybody. You're classic That song has just got that great kind of pop, disco, beat, and vibe. It's also got something that I like about a lot of the lyrics in here. There's a lot of pop culture references. This one has John Wayne. Another great track is called uh, Velvet Elvis, so it's got an Elvis Presley reference. So she drops a lot of funny kind of pop culture. Kind of, You can tell she's kind of listening to and getting inspiration from the culture. Did you notice that? Yeah, and I know she's she's very young. She's not like as old as Neil Young or Tom Petty. So she kind of has when she was a kid had this influences by these artists that have been here for a long time. That's a great point. And so the next clip that we're going to play is actually from a song called Wonder Woman. So there's one of those pop culture references 
right there. In fact, she drops Superman reference in here as well. So here's a little snippet of her song, Wonder Woman. acoustic pop vibe um like high horse and it's just a very good melody as soon as it opens up it, it has that beat and then it goes into guitar and i think that song is amazing and it's funny why it's called wonder woman because it has that pop culture reference and then it also goes with her personal life too it's funny we actually saw casey musgraves live in 2014 she was opening up for Willie Nelson and Allison Krauss at Bethel Woods Performing Arts Center on the Woodstock fields of the famous 60s concert. At the time, she was pretty young. This is four years ago. And she was kind of being heralded as this return to classic country sound. And she got, I think she won a bunch of awards and she got a lot of accolades. What's nice is to kind of hear her add that, what you say, that pop sound, that more modern I like that she starts from a classic country bass, but was really being kind of experimental and really playing with a lot of different sounds on this album. The things that she's experimenting with are in a little different, not necessarily EDM, it has more of a, a classic disco vibe. I actually thought that the it's just a very modern record. It actually reminded me a lot of, a, of an Lou Harris record uh, and uh, some other artists like Laura Cantrell that have this kind of modern woman take on country music. So... We just think this is a fantastic album. You can guarantee that you'll be seeing some Casey Musgrave on the next uh, Jam Jams playlist, volume what, Amelia? Four. So you can be looking for some of that. But do you have anything else you want to say about this Casey Musgraves album? No, it's just very fresh, very old, and I think that combines very well. All right, so you can listen to it on Spotify, and I would definitely suggest it. If you like it, buy it. And we will be right back to talk Avengers Affinity, Affinity War, Avengers Infinity War, and the solo trailer. Be back in a jiff. Lately, I have been reading a book called A Dog's Life, and I started it and loved it, partly because it's in the perspective of a dog, and partly because the main character, a dog, goes through a lot of hardship, and it ended astray, so the best part is at the end when a the dog meets an old lady, and the old lady named Susan takes her in. All right, and we're about ready to kick off the movie segment here. Uh, I'm Chris, and of course joined by Amelia, but we're also joined by special guest, friend of the pod. I'll let, let him introduce himself. Nico the movie guy. Nico the movie guy. Nico joins us in a lot of our movie discussions, joins us on a lot of the movie outings. And so the first thing that we're going to talk about here is Avengers Infinity War which we went and saw just yesterday, I believe. Amelia, help set the listeners up for what they can expect while we discuss this movie. Well, this is a spoiler, spoiler alert. If you really want to see this movie and you haven't yet, 
then don't please don't listen to this because we don't want to spoil anything for you, and we will. But if you really don't care, keep on listening. Yeah, we got to talk about this movie with all its details. So this is definitely you have been spoiler warned. Uh, Amelia, why don't you kick us off with our opening question? So Nico, what did you think of the movie? I like the movie a lot, but. One of the things that's different about this movie than other movies is usually, like, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Hulk, all these movies, like, or Captain America, like, they always win, they defeat the bad guy, they, like, always win, but, like, in this movie, Thanos won by, like, a lot, and he got, like, all the Infinity Stones, spoiler alert, and then he snapped his fingers and basically all of them died, which means, like, Thanos basically reached his goal. That's a great point. I love that point. One thing that, for me, was uh, this was pretty much nonstop action and nonstop fighting, but normally, as you were saying, in superhero movies, usually the superheroes beat and fight the bad guy at the very end, and this one, I felt like they were fighting Thanos the entire movie, from the beginning, the middle, and the end of the movie, some superhero, some member of the Avengers was fighting Thanos, so that, that seemed really... That, that was a big takeaway from the movie for me. Amelia? Well, I thought the movie, like, went really, really fast. Um, and I loved the movie, but sometimes I felt like when they jump around to different areas, I thought, like, wait, who's here? Wait, what's happening in this planet? And then I just kind of got a little bit confused. So it wasn't that clear and they never really had um an avengers gathering where like all the avengers came together and guardians of the galaxy met and everything like kind of combined it can we talk for a minute about how awesome it was to see that much guardians of the galaxy action back on the big screen i loved how much guardians of the galaxy stuff they had some of the best lines they had some of the best fight scenes it almost felt like uh guardians of the galaxy 2.5 what did you guys think I also like the Guardians of the Galaxy because for one point they actually met the Avengers. They met Thor. They met like all the Avengers basically, and they finally like are in it, like in the big battle. Um, really big spoiler alert. I was very very sad when Gamora died because she's like a really big part of Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, I don't think this is on the Guardians. Of the galaxy, but the writers didn't give much humorous lines to the Guardians of the Galaxy when those actors can be very humorous. There wasn't a lot of humor in this movie, really, was there? What did you, did you think this was funny? I didn't really think it was funny at all. There are a few good lines, but basically it was just battle, 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 and there weren't that many spaces for like really good lines. So I feel like, yeah, it wasn't that funny. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I really love about Thor, Guardians of the Galaxy, both movies, and Spider-Man Homecoming was that these movies are funny, right? Like, they, they had some sweet moments, some funny moments. There was a lot of laughs. There was not a lot of laughs in Avengers. And I know, like, these actors can be funny because in we saw, we saw Spider-Man, and he was awesome in that movie. We saw Thor Ragnarok. He was awesome in that movie. We saw Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2, by the way, and the movie was just cracked. So let's talk about the big thing. Basically, at the end of the movie, half of all humanity, do you think, let's say, do you think they died? Do you think, what do you think happened? I think that um, 
they might have died, but I think somehow they might have teleported into some like portal or some other planet or somewhere. I think I know that like some people definitely died. Like I know Gamora definitely died. But people who just vanished, they just vanished. They didn't necessarily die, did they? So they could, as Nico said, be somewhere else. If you need a reminder or if you don't care about the movie and you're listening anyway, at the end of the movie, not just half of the Avengers, half of all humans on Earth just vanish. In fact, the reason that you know that is because if you stayed through all the credits like we did, right, you see Nick Fury played in the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, by Samuel L. Jackson driving down the road and suddenly all these helicopter crashes and car crashes because people are just disappearing. So it's not just the Avengers, it's all of humanity. It's like when you die, you kind of like disintegrate. They basically just turned into dust and like um, dirt. Yeah, like at the end of the movie, the last skit where you were talking about, this girl was like turned and was talking and she just vanished. And like little blocks of her just went away. So I don't think there's any way that these characters can be dead, right? Like Black Panther turned into dust, Star-Lord, Spider-Man turned into dust. We already know that some of these characters and some of these are going to have sequel movies like Black Panther. What do you think? I also think Doctor Strange, in this movie, he was a big part. He had the time stone. He, like, like blocked. He helped people. And he was just a big part. And then he turned to dust. And he, like, said it was the only way. But I think he's not going to be dead because he played a big part in this movie. Yeah, that's a great point around it. He had a kind of a weird line, right? That line where he said, this is the only way. So maybe he's taking basically every, half of all of humanity somewhere else. Amelia? I think also they wouldn't take Black Panther away because we reviewed Black Panther and we loved Black Panther and everyone loved Black Panther and it got like a lot of good reviews and it made a lot of money. So I don't think they would take away such a new and loved character. Did anyone else notice two characters that I really thought we were going to see in this movie that we did not see? I know one of them was... Ant-Man, and I think the other was Hawkeye. Yeah, where was Hawkeye and Ant-Man in this movie? Um, I heard that, I think it was Tony Stark who said their families couldn't deal with it. I think it was Black Widow. That's right. Oh, yeah. Black Widow said that they had family issues, and I was doing a little bit of that they had kind of retired from the Avengers, but I did some research on the Internet, and they did say some hints about where Hawkeye and Ant-Man are going to re-enter the story. <laughs> so maybe I won't spoil that, but apparently... Uh, well, first of all, Ant-Man and Wasp, have that's a, a movie coming out this summer, and I heard that they're going to pick up part of the storyline after that in that movie. That's crazy that, like, there's going to be a new movie this summer about Ant-Man and the Wasp? Yeah, that's coming out in July, I think. And so in that movie, you're going to get, actually, some of the clues to the end of Avengers. So maybe this they're just leading you into a big mystery, and they actually all are dead. Maybe, or who knows. What was the thing that you're most disappointed about the movie? I was really disappointed that Gamora died. You were? Yeah, because, you know, she's the only girl in Guardians of the Galaxy. No, they have that bug girl. What's her name? Yeah, but she's kind of new, and she wasn't really an original. And Gamora was an excellent fighter, and now to just see her disappear was a little bit, like, sad. And she's a really important character. So Nico, what, was, uh, what did you have one criticism of the movie? Uh, what I didn't like is... I thought, like, Thanos wasn't going to get that the Yellowstone from the guy. Who's that guy with the purple face and the stone? Oh, Vision. 
Yeah, Vision. I didn't think he was going to die because he kept on getting saved every time. And I was kind of disappointed. You are kind of sad? Yeah, because he had his wife, the... Um, Scarlet Witch. Yeah, her. And he really loved her and everything. Scarlet Witch is like a character, right? Like, she's always like, oh, what do we do? I need help. And then whenever she uses her powers, she like blows up like half the world. She has like huge powers. At that end battle where Thanos is and he could snap his fingers and like try to get um, Vision's stone. I think everything was kind of centered around Vision and like every single scene, or not like every other scene, people were running to Vision like, is he okay? Is he okay? And then he turns out to be fine. And then they kill him, which is really weird. And then Thanos goes back in time. So that was like kind of a weird part, but also a very important part. Okay, we are hearing our cat maybe in the background. We apologize for that. Uh, Conan, please leave the room while we record. Um, I think the thing that, I, the critique for me is I, I do wish it had kind of slowed down at times. You know, I felt like sometimes it was like too fast. Like what you said earlier, Amelia, about like, what what planet am I on now? Like, bing, bong, boom. Like, just like bouncing around the galaxy. Felt a little bit silly. Also, one other thing that I didn't like was Thor was about to kill like Thanos in the heart, and Thanos just snapped his fingers and, like, went into space, which that was kind of weird because after that, if you look at him sitting down, he's like, has no scars, nothing, and he's, like, totally alive because two seconds later, when he snaps his fingers, is like, the thing that he's wearing the stones is. Yeah, that is, like, burning, but then when he teleports... It's fine. I have problems. Thanos has, like, every power imaginable. That gets a little bit old. I think it's also kind of like Superman and Supergirl. Their only weakness is kryptonite, and I don't even know Thanos' weaknesses. We don't know Thanos' weaknesses. Would you guys agree? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so two questions I want to get us out on. So, you know, all these Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, there's a bunch of them. Is there any that you would want to go back and re-watch now to help you better understand uh, Avengers Affinity War? I think Captain America Civil War, because this whole thing basically led up, because that's when the Avengers broke up. That's basically when all the fresh news happened. Like, Hulk didn't know that they broke up. And I think that movie leads the information, and if you kind of forget that movie, when you watch Avengers Infinity War, you kind of don't know what's going on. All right, so we'll be re-watching Civil War. Nico, what did you think? Uh, I think the same as Amelia. All right, so we got to make an appointment to rewatch Civil War. I actually would say it's one I haven't even seen once, but it makes me want to watch Doctor Strange, because I feel like that would probably have some hints, and I haven't seen Have you guys seen Doctor Strange? No. So maybe, all right, so maybe we need to watch Doctor Strange and rewatch Civil War. All right, so I want each of us to make a prediction about what we think will happen next, either in the next Avengers movie or in one of the other superhero movies. I think in the next Avengers movie, somehow they're going to get the time stone from Thanos, somehow get something, like go back to Niflheim and get, like, make one of those new arm pieces and put it, like the stone in, and they're going to get time back until like all of the uh, people are back up, and then somehow they might kill Thanos by like getting all the stones or something, and then probably his weaknesses, when he has none of the stones, just they could probably get him and kill him. He's just a big purple dude. All right, so you think you're going to roll back. They're going to rewind time, basically. Yeah. Amelia? I think the people that didn't dis- d- disintegrate, like not everyone did, 
um, I think they'll go and search for a place where the people who disintegrated, like, disappeared to. I predict that the next Avengers movie or one of the movies of the individuals like Ant-Man or uh, Black Panther, I predict we will be in the world of the people where they disappeared. Like, it'll open up wherever all the people are in whatever alternate universe or alternate reality. I'm not exactly sure. So that's my prediction. All right, so we will be right back with more segments of the Larry's Pop Pod, but let us say goodbye to Nico the Movie Guy. Bye, Nico. All right, and welcome back to the Larry's Pop Pod. I'm joined by Team Plumley, friends of the pod, Team Plumley, and uh, we re- recently watched a, uh, a pretty classic, legendary sporting event together, and we actually saw some history made. Eric, why don't you give us an introduction to what the Triple Crown is and the sequence of horse races? Sure. So once a year, there is a series of three horse races. Starts off with the Kentucky Derby, then the, which is in Louisville. The Preakness, which is in Baltimore, and then the Belmont, the third and final, which is in New York. And they call the three races, the, it's the Triple Crown, but it's only a Triple Crown if one horse wins all three. So when they start off with the first race, the Derby, it's like, it's wide open. Any horse can win this thing, okay? And then whoever wins the Derby, and there's always going to be one horse that wins the race, then has will race most almost always in the Preakness. And then if it, the same horse that wins the Derby wins the Preakness, then and only then do you have a chance at a Triple Crown if that horse is then entered into and perhaps wins the Belmont. It's really, really difficult to do, even though it happened a couple of years ago with American Pharaoh. Like before that, it hadn't happened in a long, long time. And in, you know, a hundred and some years of, 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 since this has been a thing, I think it's like 13 or 14 times, whatever it is. I'm a horse racing expert, but that's what it is. One horse has to win all of those three big time races and do it within a period of about, of about five weeks. So, this time, I think it was the 13th time this has happened in in history. You think it was 14th? I know it was 14th. How do you know? Wait, no, it's 13th. Ah, look at you. What was the name of the horse this time? Justify. Justify. And he won all three races, correct? Yes. Frankie, were you rooting to see history made, or were you rooting for another horse? I was rooting for history, but after we watched the race, and then they did like a... After the race, they showed it again, and I noticed this horse called Gronkowski, which is named by the world-famous tight end on the New England Patriots. This guy who played plays for the New England Patriots, he got himself a horse, and he owns the horse, named it after himself, and puts it in the Belmont. And the story about this is, is that... The very beginning, it starts off as a jog, and it's back behind the other horses by 50 feet. But it comes back and takes second place. And it's 
kind of amazing. It was a horse that had. It was a horse that, that no one gave any chance. Uh, it was like a one to twenty six. So I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say no chance. It was a total long shot. I don't think anyone thought it was going to do anything. And obviously, when the race started, I think it performed as expected. I mean, it was so far back. It was comical. It was almost like running around in circles that the horse looked so confused. And then all of a sudden it came on so strong along the rail at the end, it finished a really strong second. Yeah. We were, we were laughing at this. First of all, yeah, none of us are, are, are New York, New England Patriots or Gronkowski fans. Fair to say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we we were laughing that this this guy would name a horse after himself, and then when it came out of the gate, it looked like it was just out there like eating grass or something. And we were laughing at it. Oh, you can't even see it in the camera, whatever. And we got caught up in the race and history and justify and screaming for the triple crown. And all of a sudden, they throw the graphic up about how the horses finished behind justify, and who was in second place. Gronkowski. And we were like, what the heck? How did this horse? That horse is up there picking dingleberries just a minute and a half ago. Next thing you know, this horse finished in second. So what did we do then, Phoebe, to figure that out? We watched the replay, and it was really cool. He, like, rode the rail all the way up. But he didn't start riding the rail until the end. He, I mean, he was so far gone that, like, even when they showed as many horses as they could for the, the leader to the, the horse in the second-to-last position, Gronkowski was still, you know, 50 feet behind that. And we were joking around that we probably thought Gronkowski Gronkowski was actually riding the horse because it was so slow. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. I don't like Gronkowski. I was rooting against the horse. I thought it was dumb. But when we saw that happen, I kind of have to admit, I, I kind of was into that horse. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Definitely. I was because it's, it's so preposterous, but at the same time, so entirely consistent with that guy's off-the-field personality that he would buy a racehorse and then name it after himself. And I don't know if you guys have seen it. I quickly saw it on the internet, but they did. Someone did have an isolation camera on his reaction. So we got to watch it. We'll put the link to that in the show notes so that you can all see this fool. Was it amazing? I mean, he was just like your big lunkhead, like, was like he surrounded. Out. Was he surrounded by like a bunch of girls yeah, and stuff? There was a, a whole was young seat. Yeah, yeah, he was there. So we'll have to watch that. I, I, at the end, I kind of liked Gronkowski because he did this incredibly incredible thing. From last to second. And, I mean, obviously he didn't beat Justify. But all the other group kind of fell back. Justify and him were in, like, kind of... He was kind of catching on. So I think if he had, like, one more minute of race, he could have become first. You think he could have caught Justify? Yeah, yes. one quarter of a mile. Maybe just a quarter of a mile, possibly. You, so you think if it had been a longer race, we would not have seen a cripple Two miles at Two miles tops. The Belmont's already the the Belmont's already the longest yes. of the three triple it's crown one races. And a half. So you would if you made that race even longer, it would yeah. be like a really long horse race. Yeah. And I think Justify he doesn't do well with going long distances, but keeping up the speed. He did pretty well, but his trainer said that he wasn't that good at it. And so if they just added a quarter mile on, then he could have fallen back. But Gronkowski would still get be getting faster and faster. And Gronkowski would have swept history, which would, I would not have liked that. Eric, you had a critique of this race, which if that had been the case and Gronkowski or another horse had actually pulled in and won, you would have been pretty cranky about that, pretty salty 
because you actually have a critique about what happens in the Belmont that allows these horses to compete. Gronkowski was not in the other two races. No, my my complaint about the Belmont, and this is also why, I mean, this kind of goes both ways. I think it's kind of unfair, but it also is what makes it awesome and so hard to accomplish and why it rarely happens is that, you know, in order to compete for the Triple Crown, you would have had to run the Derby and win, then win the run the Preakness and win. And then, you know, two, two or three weeks later, you have to run the Belmont and win. And then you are running in the Belmont often against horses that did not run either of those two races and who have fresh legs and are just like ready to go. And here you are, you know, this tired horse who's run and won the previous two races. So it just seems kind of unfair, but at the same time, that what that's kind of what makes it like this really hard to accomplish um, thing that rarely ever happened. I agree with that. Like it could be like soccer, like, or hockey or any of those sports, like, Two teams compete, one moves on. Two key, two teams compete, one moves on. And then you get till there's two teams left, and then they compete, and one wins. Yeah, like to put it into terms of, like, your your beloved uh, Capitals who just won the Stanley Cup, like, imagine if they get to the, the – after playing round after round of playoff hockey, grueling, and all of a sudden you get to the Stanley Cup, and they bring out some team that's been resting for a month and hasn't played since the season ended. Like, that would be, you know, probably that team probably wouldn't be very good anyway because they didn't make the playoffs. But the point is they'd be, like, well-rested and ready to go, and you'd be exhausted. All right, so that is our wrap on the Triple Crown, historic 13th winner of this Triple Crown, Justify, and the wacky story of Gronkowski coming from last to second and almost pulling out a crazy, crazy upset. Well, thank you, Team Plumley, for recapping the historic Triple Crown with us, friends of the pod. You might hear them again in other forms. And check out their sewing school books. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.